Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. Everything we think and feel, how we operate our energy in its totality, is creating a reality. You're either amplifying a situation that you don't like, or you're redirecting your energy inward and consulting your inner world and being like, hey, how do I want to feel? Oh, I don't want to be triggered and angry. I want to be feeling grounded and peaceful. And so it's like, we learn over time to actually really make those choices. And it is about a choice. It's a choice. Um, But our minds like to convince us that it's not. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week on the show, I'm chatting with Julia Trulin. She's an energy coach who guides her clients to connect with their personal energy to transform their lives from the inside out. She was previously a sustainability consultant at an energy efficiency engineering firm, but over time, she realized that she was interested in a very different type of energy, our life force energy, and how we can really optimize it to positively impact our daily lives, our relationships, our environments. And she believes that when we learn to work with and shift our own energy to be more easeful and abundant, the external world starts to greet us with experiences that match. Julia holds certifications in emotional intelligence coaching, energy work, yoga and mindfulness, and merges this with her natural gifts of intuition and energy perception and offers coaching that is just truly transformational. It's just amazing how she has created something that pulls together her natural abilities and she's cultivated these other skills to really create something that is so special and just so absolutely needed. And in this conversation, we discuss how Julia struggled to find her passion and purpose. And she always felt what she calls the rumbling or that feeling that there's something more, but she just couldn't tap into what it was. And this is something that I struggled with for a long time. And I think a lot of us do just knowing that there's something there for us and we just can't seem to put our finger on it. And through trial and error and working with her own energy, she was able to uncover merging her passions into this aligned and fulfilling life. And that's exactly what she helps other people to do now, which I just think is so unbelievable and absolutely so neat. And I'm so excited to share this with you guys. We obviously get all into all that stuff that I just mentioned. We talk about her journey as someone who is an empath and her process to learning how to work with her energy, how to deal with negativity, tips to strengthen your energy. We also talk about meta meditation and how it changed Julia's life how to figure out your purpose and what you're truly meant to do, and why the answers are often in the last place we think to look for them. And I just love this episode so much because obviously Julia is someone who has these natural gifts of intuition, which we all have in varying degrees and, you know, may or may not be really in touch with. But as someone like me who is not super in touch with any kind of intuitive powers that I may have, it she really takes it down 
to a place where anybody can take something away from this conversation. And it is so clear how there is energy all around us and the way that we carry ourselves in this world has such a major impact on the results that we get, our relationships, and everything else around us. So whether or not you feel like you're someone who's super in touch with your energy or your intuition, you are still going to get so much out of this episode, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So let's get into it. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I think this topic will be really interesting because I don't know if my listeners have much knowledge in the area of the kind of the spirituality realm. I haven't really talked about that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited to talk about that piece of health today with you. So I would love to kind of just kick it off by you telling us kind of your story, a little bit about you and what brought you to doing what you do now. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nicole. And thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to chat with you. Yeah. So I go by intuitive healer and energy coach, and I kind of have two aspects that I bring together in my practice, which is that I'm an intuitive and I'm trained in energy healing and energy work. And I'm also a mindfulness practitioner and I've done emotional intelligence, coaching training and kind of workplace wellness trainings. And over time, I learned to combine the two into my practice, which I now call energy coaching, which is essentially to help people really connect with their energy and their authenticity and who they really are and transform their lives from the inside out. Because I think that's really the area that a lot of coaching and uh, personal development in general doesn't really touch on enough, which is that we have this energy field, we have this life force flowing through us. And when we consciously learn to interact with it, by the way, saying that is almost kind of um, contradictory because like we are that energy. So when we are acknowledging that we are this energy, this consciousness, and that we have life force through, flowing through us, we learn that our external reality is always reflecting that flow of energy back at us. And it's indicating how things are going internally for us. And so that's what energy coaching is. It's learning to interact with your energy field. It's learning to perceive energy and it's learning to understand it intuitively and what it's trying to direct you towards in life. Because I do believe we have like these innate intrinsic qualities to us that we're meant to, that are meant to come out uh, through our progress in life. And, And working at the energetic level really helps us to access what that is and to really create a fulfilling life for ourselves. So that's kind of what I do. Um, Getting there was interesting though. Like the journey of uh, really embracing that was a struggle. (laughs) And as a coach and another coach, I'm sure you can kind of relate to that, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And I feel like especially something like this, that is a little bit less tangible. (laughs) It can be kind of harder to get there. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, really insightfully said, uh, especially when you don't really see anyone else doing what you're doing or what feels right for you. And the process of finding that is just, it's so crazy. Cause again, you have to go inward. You have to really consult your inner world and, and who you really feel like you are over and over again and kind of like bounce off your external reality, bounce off what other people are doing. Just being like, does this fit? No, like, what is it really? And so finding that was just like, many, many years of peeling back layers. Um, 
Yeah, so I worked in the sustainability field in my previous life, my previous career, uh, and I was slowly working my way up in Vancouver um, through different nonprofits and then transitioning into the private sector at an engineering firm. And uh, I really wanted to get the title of consultant and that was like my big uh, goal. Um, I really wanted to work towards mitigating climate change in a variety of ways. It just felt like it was really, um, yeah, the, in, the environment is so important to me and having life for the generations to come is really important to me. And I felt really drawn to that purpose for sure. But what kept happening in the workplace was I was really seeing similar patterns over and over again, where I was being greeted with um, challenges with interpersonal relationships, mainly with managers, where I wasn't feeling seen, I wasn't feeling challenged. Um, and I did feel like there was a lot of projection. There was a lot of things that I was just not quite understanding in terms of why would leadership interact with employees this way. And I saw a lot of unhappiness, a lot of fatigue, a lot of um, just things not really being said, right? And when you're energetically aware, you can kind of see through what people are saying and, and how they're actually feeling. And I was always so much more drawn to that. And that created a lot of problems for me because I didn't realize that, oh, that's the area that I should be working in. Like I should really be helping people uncover who they really are and what feels true for them. Because yeah, I was always like, why is my manager acting this way? Or what is happening with these people? Or like I was examining like office politics and uh, I still cared about my work and I was still doing my work, but there was always like this aspect of me that was drawn to something else. Um, and then also with uh, uncovering my intuition and being energetically aware, that was like always a big thing because I was really sensing other people with, um, it started as like kind of like the classic empath narrative. Uh, have you heard much about that? Definitely get into it. <laughs> yeah. So just when you're, uh, the empath narrative is is interesting. Maybe we can touch on it a bit today, but like, yeah, just like when you're, when you're sensing people a lot, um, you can feel very energetically drained by other people around you because you're literally picking up on other people's emotions and you're not sure if it's yours or if it's theirs. You also sense it very intensely. For me personally, I sense things in my body. So I could feel my colleagues' anger from like when I was in an open concept place from across the room without even seeing them and just being like, whoa, what is that? And just, and then, but the thing is my focus would always go towards it, right? And that's what kept draining me was like these, um, the pattern of looking externally at what was going on and trying to figure it out that way rather than looking inward at my own energy and asking myself, okay, what do I need to do to feel good in this moment? You know, and over time, I really learned uh, working with clients. It's like, that's what this is all about when it comes to being energetically sensitive or aware. Um, anyway, so that was kind of what was going on for me all the time in the office. And it took me a really long time to take steps towards actually acknowledging it. And once I did, I was taking training. So um, I did multiple different types of intuition training, psychic training, mediumship training, and then the energy healing thing came back into my life. My mom is actually an energy healer and I was exposed to it a lot growing up, but in my family, we didn't really acknowledge it very much because my dad is just like completely different. He doesn't really believe in that stuff. Um, so 
over time, I think that's also what created resistance for me too, because it wasn't really like acknowledged or val I would say valued, which is sad to say, but yeah, it wasn't really acknowledged too much in my family. And so I had resistance towards it. And I was like, no, 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 I need to be like professional. And I didn't consider that to be like a profession, which is sad. Um, and I've talked to my mom a lot about it now since. And as I was becoming aware of kind of who I really was, I started finally taking trainings in it, which I, my mom probably thought was pretty like hilarious and ironic, but <laughs> um, yeah. And then it just came so naturally to me. It felt like the most natural thing in the world to be working with an energy field. Um, I could sense so much in my hands. I could sense shifts going on in people's energy as I would work with it. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is a thing now. <laughs> and I would then get like a lot of intuitive hits from people um, as I was working on energy fields. And then as I did my intuitive trainings, then I was like, oh yeah, like I'm, this is a thing. I'm intuitive. Um, a lot of people would say psychic. I kind of have like different ideas about what it really means to be a psychic, but yeah, essentially, um, I learned that my, uh, my forte, so to speak, was really connecting with an individual's energy. Yes. I can heal, like a facilitate a healing for them. I always think that it's kind of takes two for that type of thing. But yeah, help them to shift their energy to get it flowing more and to get it feeling more vibrant and healthy. But also I was picking up on um, individuals like aptitudes, their innate energetic qualities, who they are really, what different activities in life are really important for them to be doing in order to get their energy flowing and for them to feel good in life and to be interacting with their purpose. Um, yeah, and so over some, like a couple years of doing this type of work, I started to uncover that uh, and that I could really help facilitate that for people. Um, and I still was really drawn to all of this other training that I was doing. So when I was still acknowledging, when I was still thinking that all these things need to be separate, like my spirituality needs to be separate, this intuitive stuff will always just be a hobby. Um, I was thinking like, okay, what do I really want to do when it comes to work? Because still feel drawn to wanting to help the world, the environment. Um, but as I was seeing with people, I was seeing like this kind of climate change fatigue because when you work in that field, it's exhausting because you're constantly exposed to the research that says things are going downhill, right? And it really takes a lot of mindfulness to not be drained by that. So I did some mindfulness in the workplace trainings, emotional intelligence and leadership trainings. And I was really ready to pivot to organizational culture consulting or wellness consulting for the workplace. Um, and my whole goal was like, again, to get that consultant level. And then I wanted to pivot into something else, different type of consulting. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and, <some laughs> interest, and just more fun life things happened. Um, yeah, so the company that I was working for at the time, uh, they downsized in March 2020. So I was laid off, furloughed, I think is a more common word that you use in the States, I don't know. Um, and then it just sent me into like this, I don't know, this vortex of like, oh my God, what was I doing with my life? Like, why was I trying to achieve this professional idea when really it's like, that is not my truth and I can be a professional in all the different ways that acknowledge who I really am and I just did like a big deep dive into that uh kind of within the first 
couple waves of the pandemic and lockdowns, I was really diving into my intuitive readings that I was doing with people. And um, slowly the seeds were starting to get planted on how I can combine that with my coaching training. Yeah, so that's kind of what brings me here today. I could talk, was there anything specific out of that? that I mean, so many things. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just such an amazing story. And I feel like where you landed, and we'll definitely get into that maybe a little bit later with how you can help people. It's such a, again, tangible thing. It's like taking the whole kind of thing that probably a lot of people have a hard time connecting with the idea of energy and things like that, but really grounding in and all like, this is how I can help you and like how I can really use this to transform your life. So that's amazing. So we'll definitely talk further about that, but I think it's interesting also like you were saying how you take on other people's feelings as your own. So it's like you had this like hyper sensitive, obviously way of being in a workplace, being in, I'm sure any relationship. And I guess like, how do you feel like that kind of varies from person to person? Cause obviously many of us probably know what it's like to pick up a negative vibe in the workplace. So kind of like, how do you see how that can vary from person to person and how, when someone's in kind of that situation that you were in, how can they kind of do their best to protect their energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such an interesting question. Thank you. I think what I understand and, and from all the clients that I've worked with, we do, we definitely, and this is what the psychological research says, right? Like negativity is contagious. How is it contagious? I think a lot of research would say, it's as you see external portrayals of negativity, <laughs> either in gossip or, or even just facial expressions of emotions, it's picked up on. And we then kind of mentally label it as like, oh, this is negativity. And we stew in that and our thoughts go to it, towards it. And then we feel drained. And then because we are social beings and we have this mirror neuron system that is like, uh, connecting and reflecting what we see in other emotions back at um, what's going on, right? So there's this feedback loop. Yeah, we pick up on it and then we become it unless we have this mindfulness towards it of being like, oh yeah, there's negativity, but here I am and I get to make a choice, right? Um, so I think that that happens on a mental level for a lot of people, for everyone. Uh, there is this idea with highly sensitive people, HSPs and empaths, that it goes a little deeper. Uh, one idea is that we do have a more developed mirror neuron system. And so we are, I think, maybe more drawn into things like that. I believe that on an energetic level, uh, there's something else going on there. I do believe that there's this like cognitive neurological aspect to it. Um, but the way that I've started to think about it is almost that I have a form of synesthesia. So have you heard of synesthesia? The blending of the senses. So um, psychologically, people like psychologists have studied it. And it's kind of like when people hear music, they see colors, things like that. So there's like, you're hearing something, but there's a visual aspect to it as well in your perception of it. And I think what's going on and on one level with empaths is that we're seeing, not just seeing though, which is when it gets complicated, but say someone's like showing us 
externally that they're unhappy and their shoulders are slumped, they're sad in their face. I feel it in my body. I feel that emotion in my body as like this heaviness. I feel it in my heart. Um, and then now, because I'm trained in it, not that I'm doing this just out in the world nowadays, but um, if I were to be reading that person and working with that person, I would really sense quite a bit more in their energy field as to different health concerns that are influencing it, experiences that have happened in the past that are influencing that emotion right now or, or that specific energy. Um, yeah, and so, but when then the question is like, what's going on really when we sense people from that we can't even see? And that's this whole thing, I think, that we're not really understanding, except in spiritual ways of thinking about it. But I don't think it has to be just considered spiritual. I think there's something going on with consciousness that we don't quite fully comprehend yet. Um, and I think because of, so if a person is quite attuned in that way, quite aware, I think it is a combination of, yeah, maybe there's some yeah cognitive differences there but also uh it's often that we've had challenging experiences growing up right where we've had to become quite aware of our environment in order to stay safe but not just that sometimes it can be very subtle things like if we had a parent that was quite a perfectionist or uh, they really kind of didn't know how to give us secure love then we would have had to become quite aware of their preferences, of their current attitudes and emotions in order to get love. So really, it, I think a lot of empaths have been quite programmed to look externally all the time, to sense externally all the time in that kind of way that we don't fully comprehend yet. Uh, and so that's kind of how different people would pick up on, on negativity differently. Um, and what can we do about it? <laughs> I think, yeah, like you said, it's like, what can we do to protect our energy? I have really started to think about this so differently than what I see on social media or see out there uh, to be given as solutions for how to protect your energy. I don't even use that phrase anymore because I think what happens is it creates resistance. Um, psychological, and I would say energetically, creates resistance to what is. And the thing about working with energy and the thing about transformation is that nothing changes unless you accept it at this like really deep core level. If you're around negativity in the workplace and you're labeling it as negative and you're saying, I need to protect myself from this, you're creating a lot of resistance to it. You're working on the level of mind or some people would say ego and you're pushing it away. You're saying, I don't like this. Even if you kind of have this like attitude towards it, that seems more neutral and you're just like, oh yeah, there's negativity again. Even just by calling it that it's like, we do create this resistance towards it. And then we can't really work with it and transform it for ourselves. Over time, as I had a series of workplaces with some, you could say dysfunctions, <laughs> uh, I started to feel that energy and I would actually place my awareness inside my core. So it might sound a little vague. We can go into that a bit more. Um, and I would look at it. So I generally, I sense different things in different parts of my body. So if I was around my manager and I was really feeling their energy and I was, it was 
prickly and like, I don't like it. Uh, I would just kind of be like, okay, feel, feel what is, but place your awareness kind of in, in who you actually are, which is like my energy, my body. So I would imagine like sensing into my body simultaneously seeing this energy, feeling this energy and being like, oh yeah, there it is. It's not me. And it's okay that it's there. It's not my problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? And by looking at it that way with also with a compassionate awareness of like, have I ever felt that before? Have I ever been a grump before? Like, yes, yes, I have. So it's like when we bring that, that awareness of like, okay, there it is and send it compassion. It really, we really release its hold on us. So it's not about protecting our energy. It's about amplifying our own by getting into our own bodies, by getting into our own energies, how I would put it, and sending out compassion. Because why at the core, why would we sense something if we weren't meant to interact with it, right? And I think this idea of like pushing away, protecting, I must protect. And I get it because we do need to put ourselves in environments that are going to facilitate our personal growth and expansion, right? We can't just stay in negativity. It's not good for us. So I get that idea of needing to protect. However, if you're going to be there anyway, because you have to be, right, you might as well learn to interact with it in a way where it's like healthy for you, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think even I can kind of relate to that and from a little less of me being not like an intuitive or like someone who senses energy in the same sense that you do, but you know, way more on the secular side of it. Like, obviously we can pick up on things when they're negative, when someone's like screaming at you at work, that's obvious. And I feel like the times when I'm able to really diffuse that is when I'm like, you know, very specific example, a 45 year old man is screaming in my face and pointing his finger in my face. I feel bad for him. Like that for you to be in that situation where you are screaming at someone who's 20 years younger, like, I mean, just the whole dynamic was just like, he's clearly a hurt person if he's acting this way. And it totally shifted my whole perspective on the situation. I just felt so much, it didn't have the power. So like the same kind of thing, it's like, again, me doing it in my mind, <laughs> as opposed to feeling it in my body energetically and stuff. But it's kind of that same idea of like, it just has so much more hold over you unless you can just kind of feel that compassion and like, let it go, like exist with it. Man, things sound intense in New York. You're getting yelled at. <laughs> Your fashion, um, I mean. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I imagine it's like very, lots of things that, that are kind of mind driven there, right? Oh, yeah. It's, there's a lot of, lot of dynamics, a lot of politics and all that, but yeah, like the only way to kind of walk out unscathed in some sense is to, it's not about me. Like uh, all I can do is be the best me and everyone else is going to be them. <laughs> and you just have to kind of like, let things go. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And yeah, you touched on something really interesting there. Um, yeah. Number one spiritual law, right. Is like, well, one of them is don't take things personally because yeah, like you said, it's never about you. The other thing is pain spreads, right? And suffering likes to spread. And sometimes the most compassionate thing to do, definitely if we need to be in that environment for however long we have to be, it's yeah, to use that awareness of like, 
separation and like this isn't about me and look at it with a compassionate gaze and compassion is a really interesting thing and I've I think that people use it interchangeably with the idea of empathy but that's not it's very different right compassion it sees suffering it sees pain it understands it but it looks at it from enough separation in order to do something about it right it's an action-oriented energy and so if you're being screened at by someone god forbid um (laughs) it's like what would compassion tell you to do right if it is in a work environment where you really can't just be like hey peace (laughs) um yeah it is to just kind of look at it with that gaze of not a pity not of like getting sucked into their their personal pain but of just looking at it being like yeah like i've been there i get it i understand and it's okay it's like this acceptance um, it's obviously not okay. It's a very toxic thing to happen in a workplace, but on an energetic level, when we approach it that way, um, that's when it, we, yeah, we can release its hold on us. Uh, but compassion would, when we really start to uh, embrace it for ourselves, it would instruct us to leave those environments, right? Because suffering spreads, people's pain spreads. And when we become a receptor for that pain, we're, there's, I mean, it, it would be a really intense practice for you daily to be around that and to not pick up on it eventually, right? So it's like, yeah, that's why toxic workplaces have a lot of um, people leave because it's just, it's not healthy. And when we wake up to it, that is, that is the only option um, unless leadership changes, right? Absolutely. So I guess kind of my question to piggyback on that is obviously when you're in that toxic and whether it's a workplace or a relationship that's, you know, somewhat easy to sever, none of them are, but you know, if it's a boyfriend or a friendship, but what if it's like your mom or your sister or like somebody who is going to be a part of your life? Like, how do you kind of, is there anything extra you can do when it's like a long, a prolonged kind of situation that you always need to be like bracing yourself for it in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll just speak to my personal experience of that uh, because I think like I'm, I'm not a psychologist and there's so much out there on how to deal with narcissists. And I have a different idea about what narcissists are too, especially like from a spiritual perspective. Um, yeah, there's lots of different ideas out there. So just from my personal experience, it's like, yeah, like I have very difficult Um, relationships within my family that have been very uh, like negative and toxic meaning that like yeah there's there's pain that's spreading there Uh, and throughout my journey with um, healing and learning energy work and really learning about how to keep my energy healthy I had to do things like say no to family gatherings really not put myself around certain people, especially when it was bad. Um, so I, I'm lucky, like I have a very loving, beautiful family, but there have been times where it's been really difficult for some people and so their pain was spreading. So really like negative, toxic, angry outbursts and things like that, that where it was like, yeah, like I know where I'm at. Um, I'm not gonna be able to not get wrapped into it and so I just have to say no. So like, I didn't go home for Christmas one year, uh, a couple years. And I just 
yeah, I, I just had to separate myself. So I think that's, that was the most compassionate response for me at that time. Uh, so if someone's dealing with that in their family, um, or in the workplace, leave, leave workplaces that are not healthy for you is like my number one thing, but we can learn to do that through transitions and through working at the energetic level to help you easily do that. It doesn't have to be like burn bridges, blow everything up. <laughs> like it can be, it can be more smooth than we, when, then we know. Um, and when it comes to family, it's, it's, uh, of course it's so, so difficult. And there's such a, a varying level of difficulty with that, right. From parents who are narcissists or alcoholics or for different family members who are, or versus people who just have kind of like these highs and lows, like it just totally depends. Right. So I can just speak to my experience that mine was kind of more on that, like high and low extreme. It can be quite extreme and you never know when the switch is going to flip. Um, but yeah, so I started to just put a lot of separation between myself, especially as I was getting stronger in myself and really, um, stepping into more of my purpose. And then, but the thing about, um, on an energetic level, when we work with intention and when we know who we really are, when we know what we're all about, when we know how to take care of our energy, that's when we get confident that we won't get wrapped into those things. So now, for instance, I had like the best Christmas of my life with my family. It was so, so beautiful. And I felt so connected the whole time. And yeah, there were some behaviors that um, I had to be really mindful of. And I had this moment where one person was kind of trying to wrap me in kind of like they would have in the past and um, instigate a fight. And I, I put my hand on my heart and I was like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to do this. And I just put my energy back in my body. Um, and I, I do that through just like, again, like kind of tapped. We did it. We did it for, for anyone who's listening. Like we did a little tap in exercise before we started where we just felt into our bodies and breathed. Um, I did that. And to me, that's like pulling our energy back. It's not sending it out. It's not going to engage with that. It's just going to come back and be peaceful. And then I was just like, it's okay. And then I walked away and, and the person was like, okay. <laughs> and it's weird. It's so weird when we start working with our energy on this level, absolutely our external reality changes and the people around us pick up on it and people trust you more and they're calm around you more. And you don't, you don't do any of this with the idea that you're going to change anyone except for yourself, but there are effects that ripple out. It's really profound and interesting. Wow. That's amazing. My, my next question was going to be, did, did you do that right there with him or did you like excuse yourself, do it in the bathroom, but you just right there mid moment were like, I need to take a breath and before yeah, I, respond, yeah, I or like give anything out at all. Yeah. I was kind of biting. So what happened was like, um, I'm just trying to think of what the specific thing was. Oh yeah. We were actually, it was about money. <laughs> Always a hot topic. Hi everybody. Uh, so fun. Uh, and yeah, there, there was just a conversation about like, uh, something about like a gift. And I was, uh, I kind of said something like, well, if you're going to offer this, like, can you offer it with like an energy of like 
as a, as, as a, a gift because there was kind of like some manipulation going on um, with something that was being offered from before. And, and then that kind of like triggered the thing and it was starting to get explosive. And then I was just like, oh shit. Like, I was like, I don't want to say anything more. And then I kind of went back in my body and I was just like, it's okay. It's okay. And then I just exited. <laughs> like, cause yeah, it goes back to that, that thing. It's like, it's not about me, mm-hmm. right? I can't control this person's behavior. I can't control how they interact with money. It's not up to me. I kind of bit a little bit, but then I was able to like come back and be like, oh yeah, no. That's amazing. And I think even if you could just like briefly walk through like what that, it was basically just three deep breaths and getting into your body just so people can take away (laughs) what you did in that moment. So all of this is a practice, right? It takes time to develop. (laughs) It took me years to be able to not get triggered in that way. And I still was a little bit right. Um, But so at the level of first, we need to be perceiving the situation, right? And it's really helpful when we've developed that awareness energetically, um, but also just at the level of the mind, we can start to see our thoughts, um, observing our behavior, our words. <laughs> it's just being like, oh yeah, like I am interacting with this. Um, it is negative. It is pain that's spreading. So there's enough mindfulness built. When there's enough mindfulness built up, that's when we learn not to bite and continue those perpetuating those situations. Um, and then when we've gotten to that state, absolutely come to the breath and come to what I would say is like somatic awareness, start to feel into your body. And that's why it's so important to have practices about this outside of difficult situations. We can talk about that in a second, but yeah, deep breathing, deep belly breaths, like really feeling the belly come in and out and then placing awareness uh, into your whole body. And that takes a while to develop too. But, um, I would say like, start with perceiving the legs, the feet, like this grounding idea, right? Just like, I'm going to feel my feet. (laughs) You can do this as somebody's, um, being triggered around you and then you're breathing and you're connecting with yourself. And that's what it's about. It's about redirecting the focus inward because if the thoughts are going like, wow, this person's being an a-hole and like, then it's amplifying the situation. And that's another thing about energy work. It's like everything we think and feel how we operate our energy in its totality is creating our reality. You're either amplifying a situation that you don't like, or you're redirecting your energy inward and consulting your inner world and being like, Hey, how do I want to feel? oh, I don't want to be triggered and angry. I want to be feeling grounded and peaceful. And so it's like, we learn over time to actually really make those choices. And it is about a choice. It's a choice. Um, But our minds like to convince us that it's not. (laughs) Absolutely. So you did touch on it just now and I did want to get into it, but you've mentioned mindfulness a bunch of times. So I would love to kind of talk about how that is a part of your practice, how you help people with that. Um, just all things mindfulness. Yeah. So one definition of mindfulness, um, this comes from John Kabat-Zinn, is that uh, it's awareness of um, our internal world, our external world, with an attitude of curiosity and non-judgment. So it's just being very aware of what's going on in every aspect of your reality, um, but with this open, kind gaze. And this is what 
change my life because absolutely energy work is amazing. Uh, it was so healing for me. Learning to embrace my intuition was an extremely important part of my journey. But when I did my first mindfulness in the workplace training, I, my mind was just like, like, I was like, why, why don't we all learn this? Like, it just seems so common sense. But at the same time, we, the way that our world is uh, constructed and how we are programmed and raised, it's, we're not taught this. And, and to me, it's just like such a fundamental aspect of being, which is that just developing awareness of everything around you and looking at it from this openness and kindness, we learn to create this separation, right? So maybe um, your audience has heard that quote between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our freedom, like to choose how we want to respond and, and instead of react to things that are going on within us and around us, right? And that's what the core of like emotional awareness is, which I would say is energetic awareness. It's like sensing into your body. Where do you feel certain sensations when you start to be triggered or, or just having an emotion come up and work at that level of it instead of immediately going external, you know, and that can be things like, sometimes it's helpful, right. To talk to a friend about things like that, or, um, but often it's like we're reacting to things and we're, our mind is focused on what the situation is or what's going on instead of actually consulting our individual reaction to it, if that makes sense, and, and working with at that level so that we can choose how we want to respond to things. And that's what mindfulness teaches us. And so, yes, it's fundamentally to develop it. Yes, it's about meditating. Uh, but we can do that in a variety of ways. And in my practice and with my clients, I teach a couple different types of meditation. And then within my coaching containers, there's accountability towards that. So we have like little um, kind of like uh, sheets where people can check off when they've done their meditations and things like that, because that's the hardest part, right? It's all about keeping yourself accountable to this um, developing practice. And it's always a practice. Uh, it's not that we all of a sudden master and get to the certain level. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that there's a really uh, important type of meditation that is important to work with in order to develop mindfulness. And that's called metta meditation or loving kindness meditation. Have you heard of that? I haven't. Yeah, it's a, a type of Buddhist meditation. Um, and it's all about developing, I would say actually, developing compassion, but uh, they call it loving kindness meditation because um, metta comes from the Pali word um, meaning like benevolence, goodwill. Um, yeah, and loving kindness is one translation and uh, the Pali language is a Buddhist language, uh, ancient Buddhist language. And when we do metta meditations, we develop this ability to look at things from an open perspective with kindness and it's that kindness, that openness that helps create that separation between that stimuli and, and our response, right? Um, so a meta meditation uh, is, utilizes certain phrases uh, that you repeat 
um, and that you send towards yourself, that you send towards another person, sometimes difficult people in your life, and then all beings. Um, and some of the phrases, and, and it varies, and it's kind of up to the practitioner, but some of them are, may I greet each moment with acceptance? May I feel at ease? May I be healthy? May I be happy? And when I learned that in one of my emotional intelligence trainings, like it blew my mind. I was like, why are we not practicing this every single day? Because it is a practice that we can develop. We can learn to be kind. <laughs> and it sounds like so simple and common sense, but it's like, unless you've really practiced so much that's in our world is not teaching us this. And depending on your upbringing and everything, if you haven't learned to be kind to yourself, it's really hard to be mindful because you're going to have difficult emotions that you perceive. You're going to have difficult people in your life. All those things are going to always be triggering you at this subconscious level. And until you bring them into consciousness, we can't really learn to respond to them in a way that actually keeps our energy healthy. Uh, and we can't learn to perceive them if we can't look at them with kindness. Does that make sense? Totally. And I think even that method of meditation. I mean, I'm like, I want to do it <laughs> now. And I mean, I, as someone who I've been like, quote unquote, meditating for a couple of years now, like towards the beginning of COVID. And I'm still in a place where I'm like, am I meditating? Like, I can't, I, I'm sitting down, I'm breathing. I've tried a few different kinds, but I don't feel like I've often feel like I'm truly tapping in. And I think that like that method just resonates so much as like, how do you not gain something from saying phrases like that to yourself every day? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, like you've, you've touched on a lot of uh, thoughts that I've seen in myself and that I see in clients when we start to meditate, which is that like, am I actually getting anything out of this? Is this actually meditation? And the thing is like, absolutely. Uh, First off, absolutely, it's meditating, right? Like if you're observing your breath, if you're observing yourself and you're taking time in stillness, absolutely. But it doesn't even have to look at like formal sitting down, right? Like we can have mindful moments sipping our tea or coffee in the morning, right? And just like feeling the cup in our hands, observing our breath as we do that, observing maybe a beautiful tree in the window. That's a mindful moment. That is every single time we do that, we build our muscle, we build our mindfulness muscle. Don't underestimate it, right? And when we do sit formally and our mind is going a mile a minute and we're like, this isn't freaking meditating. I'm terrible at meditating. <laughs> it's like everyone has those thoughts and that's exactly what meditation is, right? It's difficult. It can be difficult. The mind, it has so many patterns that we begin to observe, so many different things that it tells us um, in order for uh, as to not want to do it, to not sit still with ourselves. And it's just a matter of looking at it with that open awareness, that kindness of just being like, oh yes, there, there are my thoughts. Absolutely. And, and the thing is like the teachings say, Buddhist teachings say like to meditate, not for meditate, meditate for meditation's sake, not to gain, because that's, that's an aspect of like the wanting mind of like the ego, the mind being like, I want something out of this right? And it's like, eh. when does, when does interacting with the world in that way 
really get us what we want, right? It's like when we have the wanting mind, when we're like looking for something we want to gain, um, there's a certain energy of like graspy reachiness to that is like how I word it. Um, and it's actually pulling our energy out and it is a bit of an energetic drain. So when we approach a meditation practice in that way, it we're not going to feel as fulfilled as when we approach it from like, oh yeah, I'm doing this for the sake of doing it, not to get anything, right? I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, like, I feel like it makes total sense, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone like say it like that, which I think is just so true. I mean, just like anything and, you know, manifestation, surrender. I feel like there's just so many messages that are like, we just need to like, let go a little and things will probably fall into place. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what surrender is all about too. Uh, and it can be a practice that we take into our meditation practice as well. It's like, oh yeah, this is like a daily surrender of just being like, oh yeah, we're just doing this because, um, which when do we ever approach anything like that in life? It's like, we're always mostly looking to gain something. And that's, that's just how the mind works, right? Or the mind or the ego, however you want to word it. And again, oh, again, that's just something to look at with acceptance and kindness. It's like, oh yeah, we all do that. That's okay. <laughs> I love that. So I would love to hear a little bit. I know you went on a meditation retreat recently, which sounds intense. So I would love to hear a little bit about that. Yes, it was, it was incredible. It was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. Um, but I did my best to approach it again with that, like openness, not of, like, oh, I'm going to gain so much from this, but I did, I did. <laughs> it was great. Um, yeah. So I did it with a practitioner named Whit Hornsberger. He's a teacher of Theravada Buddhism and of classical yoga. And yeah, uh, it was a five day silent retreat in this gorgeous um, retreat center in the highlands of Vancouver Island, Canada. And I was always really drawn towards doing a meditation retreat. Like I first heard about um, Vipassana retreats uh, when I was 18. And I was like, I wanna do that. <laughs> I don't know why, like I was dating a yogi at the time and he told me about this one that he had done in Thailand. And I was really like, I really wanna do that. Um, and then fast forward and when I was 23, I was living in China teaching English. And um, as I was leaving, I really wanted to go do the same retreat that he had done in Thailand. And it's a 10 day one, really strict, complete silence. You sleep on like really like concrete beds and it's like very minimal comfort so that you can really go inward. Um, and I didn't, I was kind of scared and I backed out. Um, but then now that I'm working for myself and all these things changed over the past few years for me, I was like, Hey, now is definitely the time to do one. Like it just felt so like the timing was perfect. And especially because I had developed more of a meditation practice, I was like, this could be really a fantastic way to like really drop in a bit deeper. And, um, I initially looked for a 10 day one and there is one on Vancouver Island in Duncan, uh, the town's called, and I applied like right when the applications open and they do like rolling applications. Um, and I think like every month or something, they open them. And even though I applied like right when they opened, I was 11 on the wait list. And I was like, oh, bummer. Like, uh, I was pretty disappointed, but I was like, well, I guess as with things, it's like, uh, maybe I'm not meant to do it at this time. Uh, but then just in conversation, someone that like randomly started to 
chat with me. We're in like a, the same yoga community on Facebook. Um, and we just got chatting and then he was like, oh yeah, I'd love to do one with Whit Hornsberg. And I was like, who is that? And then I looked it up. Um, there's only two spots left for women and I got one of them. And it, this one was just a five day retreat. And yeah, and then in a couple of weeks I was there. Um, so many realizations during that time but I stayed in, I chose to stay in silence the whole time. This retreat specifically wasn't super strict. Like we could ask questions if we needed to during the Dharma talks, which is um, the talks that the instructor would give uh, to bestow Buddhist teachings and kind of more methods of meditation um, each day. And yeah, we could talk and laugh and everything if we wanted to during those, but I chose to stay in silence the whole time, even in um, my interviews with the instructor. So we each had one-on-one -on -one time with the person, with Wit um, to ask questions and I just, I don't know, there was something about it. I was like, what other moment in life will you ever get an opportunity to just be quiet? <laughs> like for, I was like, for once, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was really interesting. I like, wrote my questions for him uh, down, but he really validated a lot of uh, what I felt about med meditation, for instance, and what I had been sharing about for a long time um, in terms of my work on how to develop compassion and and how to really drop in uh, to mindfulness in everyday interaction, not just when you're seated on the mat. But yeah. I, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and so brave <laughs> to do something like that. I would like love to reach a point where I could do something close to that. Even one day silent would be <laughs> something for me to work up to. <laughs> So that's yeah. really great. And I think like a lot of people, like the mind just comes in and says like those things exactly, right? Like, oh, that's something that would be so difficult for me. Um, but that those are all just things of the mind, right? And really what it is, it's like, you're just like hanging out with yourself for five days <laughs> um, or 10 days or whatever and really observing your inner world. And for some reason, like that is the scariest thing for people in the world. <laughs> it's like, that is very confronting for our egos and, um, and so, yeah, like a couple people did leave that retreat. I think it's pretty common for people to peace, peace out when it starts to feel uh, like a bit intense, but that is the practice, right? So I do believe anyone can do it. Um, but I definitely think like, as you said, like maybe start with a couple days, one, one day, two days <laughs> to start with. Exactly. Do my meditations, meta meditations for a little bit leading up to that, warm myself up. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually, that would be my number one recommendation now that I've done one. Um, and I'm by no means an expert. I have, I will always be a beginner when it comes to this, but um, absolutely. Like the meta meditations, I think is what really shifted things for me. And I've been practicing that for a couple of years and that's what kept me in it. Like I was so in it. I was like, I'm going to be quiet. Like <laughs> I woke up at like 4am every day. I would walk through the forest alone in the mornings up to the meditation hut really early. I was the first one to wake. I was the first one there because I was just in it. Like I was thriving in it. And when I came out of it, I was like, I have never been so freaking happy in my life. Like My energy was so, I just felt so amplified, expanded, but yet grounded, just really in myself. And you can see that with people that practice meditation uh, who've done many of these retreats, like there's a light, bright thing going on behind their eyes. And uh, some people call it the Vipassana glow. Like if you've done a lot of Vipassana retreats, um, 
there's something different that goes on there. And it's, I believe it really shifts your energy, but the science behind that is that there's this idea, well, it's not an idea, it's proven that meditation can actually uh, delay the D, like the, so telomeres, every time our cells divide, the telomeres, have you heard about telomeres? Yes. <laughs> I'm not a biologist. I'm not but still, still explain for the Yeah. Listeners. <laughs> every time our cells divide, the telomeres, like the, the uh, genetic material on the end of our uh, DNA uh, decreases a little bit. And that's eventually what leads to cell death and us, you know, exiting the earth. <laughs> uh, but when, uh, when we meditate, when we really learn to like calm our nervous systems, we, we, uh, that happens more slowly. So it's like the, the secret to longevity is meditation. It seems to be the secret to pretty much everything, <laughs> right? It's right. definitely worth practicing, giving a shot. So I would love to kind of get back to what we were talking about in the beginning, like how you help your clients to kind of really understand what their purpose is. I think that is so invaluable in every way. I feel like people, so many people are not in touch with that at all. Or I know for me, for a long time, you know, I was working in fashion, getting screamed at. (laughs) That wasn't an everyday occurrence, but there were certain people. And I just knew it wasn't where I wanted to be or the energy I wanted to be in, but I didn't know what was or like how to figure it out. And then, you know, the health coaching thing kind of fell into my lap. But before that, I was like, do I want to like get wrongfully convicted people out of jail? Like I had so many different things that I like had on my list and it's just so hard to tap into that. Even once you like have the scary realization of like, maybe I really want to make a change, which again, so many people would be so scared to walk away from what feels safe. Yes. Yeah. You've just articulated basically what I went through and what my clients go through. And that, that is who I help. I help women who are spinning their tires, trying to figure out life purpose, but who are also being greeted with all these difficult external things in the career and love um, that are really detracting their energy and making it feel impossible to figure out this other thing that keeps scratching at them and just like keeps like it's you know it makes your skin crawl where you're like I can't figure it out but all these other things are so hard and and so yeah it's that's how I felt for so long like I always felt like there was like I call it the rumblings like I had the rumblings for a really long time which is that like you have this feeling of being like I'm not in the right place in life but I can't figure out what it is like what is really calling to me um and instead what happens is and and you like yeah you articulated it so well where it's like yeah it's so scary to acknowledge that you really want whatever that rumbling is about (laughs) and so I think what happens is like our minds really want to keep us safe right that's the whole mechanism of the mind and the ego is to keep us safe and it doesn't really want to drop into that deeper level to look at what that is and so we focus on our pain and our suffering (laughs) and all the difficult things, right? Like, oh, this workplace or, oh, my love life. And all of our energy goes external. And that's just simply a protective mechanism. So the key to figuring it out is, of course, like they always say, go inward. But what does that really mean, right? I think the, the 
coaching that I've developed, energy coaching is the coaching that I wish I had when I hired a career coach. It's the coaching I wish I had when I hired a business coach and I've hired both. Um, They're fantastic coaches, but what I really needed was something very different. I needed something to point me towards my truth. I needed to uncover what that was. And to do it, we do it by actually not focusing on it at all. (laughs) So this is like the paradox, right? You find what you're looking for when you stop looking for it. And then when you found what you were looking for, it's not what you thought it was (laughs) going to be, right? It's like, that is the paradox of life. And if even when I started doing intuitive work, right, which is when we connected, um, I didn't know at that time that this is what I would be really wanting to do but it was the journey. It was the process. And I've seen that in myself. And so that's why I've created this three month program where I'm like, let's not focus on what we think we need or what we think our purpose is. Let's just go into our energy. Um, So it is about, there's an intuitive healing aspect of it for the first few weeks where we really do Um, energy work at the level of accessing intuitive insights for the person on what life experiences and are really influencing their mind patterns and their energy patterns. Um, So we do a bit of uh, trauma release work. Um, I'm a trauma-informed practitioner. I've done a few trainings in that and that we really need to go into that to begin the process because that's what, uh, when we've had those experiences in life, our external reality is going to continue to reflect our need to look at it and embrace it and, and uh, heal that pain, right? Um, so there's a component of that at the beginning and then really um, a deep dive into mindfulness uh, development and, and practice. And through that, just by focusing on what I would say, like our, our aliveness, our life force, we actually start to amplify it. Um, so when a client really starts to very slowly develop a meditation practice, I'm not like, okay, you have to meditate for an hour every day. No, it's like tiny bits of time that build over time, right? Subtle things start to shift in a person's energy and more mindfulness is developed and more energy is built up in our systems so that we are not then completely depleted at the end of our our uh, work day or completely depleted when we've had interactions with certain people in our lives that are challenging us, right? Um, So there's a component of that. And then there's a big component of self-exploration, which I also um, interact with the client on in that intuitive way where I can really see in someone's energy what they're all about. Um, Like I, I see when I'm working with people, it's like, okay, humor is a huge part of who you are you got to start working with that formally. And then as with traditional coaching, there's this, um, yeah, you begin to look at the client and resource them for like, okay, what are the action steps? What is going to actually really start to bring this aspect of you out? And we resource each other for that, uh, create action steps in a a more traditional coaching format. Um, And then there's also like a manifestation aspect of it, of course, because when we shift our energy, that's what manifestation is essentially, right? It's learning to direct our energy and yes, thoughts, but fundamentally energy towards what we want to create. So we do some manifestation exercises throughout uh, the coaching container as well um, to really uncover, yeah, 
a reality that is fulfilling for the person but it really starts at the core of working with the energy of the person and all of a sudden all the things you think you wanted they really do shift and we get to a level that is actually going to bring true fulfillment and true joy and these skills that are developed you can take into every area of life and then so maybe at the end of the program the you realize oh yeah i want to start my own business or I really want to start to pursue this other career. And then you have all of these skills that actually help you to take steps towards that without getting overwhelmed. Uh, because that's what it is, right? It's so scary to make these big transformations. Um, and yeah, and depending on the person within that three months, those transformations can really take place. Like the energetic transformation will take place, but the external transformation can really start to get the ball rolling. Um, it can really start to shift things externally as well. So yeah, that, that's the coaching that I wish I had. Because uh, my career coach was great. She really helped me get a promotion, really helped me learn to advocate for myself. And uh, she had a great marketing background um, to help me kind of frame out my proposal and things like that. But when I got my promotion, I was like, oh. Now what? <laughs> exactly. I was like, I still have this really intense feeling in me that says I'm not in the right place in life. So I think that a lot of people do that and I totally have compassion and uh, I understand it. We were like, oh, my career isn't going well. So clearly the solution is to focus on my career. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's like the, the focus should be on, okay, what is, am I not acknowledging about myself? Right. And I didn't need a career coach at the time. I needed somebody to really help me look inward and to guide me through that process and to keep myself accountable to it because it brings up so much stuff that those protective mechanisms kick in. And we instead go to numbing with Netflix or partying on the weekends. I was great at that. I loved going out for fancy cocktails, <laughs> especially after my promotion. I was like, I have money to do this now. <laughs> um, and it's like, no, like, <laughs> uh, keep keep going towards what feels difficult and it will reveal things that you never thought would be possible. And the thing is, we all have purpose in life. If just by nature of existing, we have a purpose and we are living it. And I think that that's what freaks people out about the idea of finding a life purpose. It's like, I love to reframe it as like, no, no, no. If you have life, you have purpose. You are already living this profound purpose that we will never fully comprehend by the nature of the universe. Everyone here is interacting with each other with different energies and every single action we take influences something else, right? Like the butterfly effect, like life is incredible and we are living these incredibly complex realities that we don't fully comprehend. But the thing is, it's all about coming back to, okay, what do you find meaningful? What really lights your energy up and acknowledge it and keep working with that. And it will, it will direct you into an environment and a life that feels fulfilling. I love, I mean, I don't know how everyone listening to this wouldn't be like, I need to work with Julia tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds absolutely so amazing when you just think about again, how many people I wish I had a coach like that. So many people do. And so many people who are not really fully letting themselves go there. So it's just so amazing that that exists, that you exist and you can help people in that way. Thank so you. I do, I mean, I could literally sit here and talk to you forever, but I do have two more questions and then 
um, I can let you go. But I mean, obviously meditation is a huge part of your routine. And I think for somebody who is again, like so grounded and centered, and I think people would love to hear about what your like morning and nighttime routines look like. Is there anything that's like a non-negotiable? Like what, what does that look like? Yeah, I actually, I think what would surprise people is that my meditation practice is actually pretty short in the morning, but it is a non-negotiable now. Um, every morning I wake up and the first words I say to myself are first things first. And the first thing is to sit with myself, uh, especially after my meditation retreat, I just learned how important it is. And now my only my number one goal for everything when it comes to my business, when it comes to my life is my practice. It's like, that is the number one focus because I know everything starts from there. So yeah, first things first in the morning I get up, I sit down, I turn like my reward is always like my, my tea or my coffee. Um, I generally drink decaf, but, uh, it's like, yeah, that little kick after. Um, so I turn on the hot water and I sit down on my meditation pillow and I just do 15 minutes, 20 minutes of breathing in and out. Um, I'll go longer depending. And I do bouts of time where I purposefully extend it um, kind of as like a, as a goal to like go deeper. So like three to seven days in a row where I'll do 45 to an hour. Um, and yeah, like whenever I, neglect that practice or um, make it short. For instance, like I'm recovering from COVID right now, right? And like, I did not do meditation every single day in that formal way. Um, But in between having an extreme fever, (laughs) I would kind of like do visualizations where I imagined my lungs being healthy. Um, I was placing my awareness throughout um, Netflixing and things like that. I was placing my awareness in my body. And that is a mindful moment. That is meditation. And I was just going so easy on myself and being so compassionate with myself. Um, because yes, yeah, sitting up and trying to do a formal practice when I couldn't really breathe, it's like, what's the most nurturing thing to do in that moment, right? So yeah, like there are of course times where this practice comes in and out of my life, but in general, it's there in the mornings. Um, and then also what I've learned is when I'm starting to feel like out of my body when my energy is starting to feel scattered and I know that it feels that way when um, my breath gets constricted when my thoughts are doing the same thing over and over again like generally for me it's like obsessing about my business (laughs) when I'm just like oh there it is like then I know to take like 10 minutes and I'll just like sit on the couch or go away from my computer um, or even just like a mindful walk right it's placing my awareness into my body and breathing. Um, yeah, that's the practice as it is. And then I, I do a lot of yoga. I'm a yoga instructor. And so that's another part of that for myself. Yes. Amazing. And then my last question that I ask everyone when they come on the show is what is one toxic thing that you have released that's had a major impact on your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you asked me on at the start and I kind of had an idea surrounding it. And it's, I, because I think that I feel called to like flip that idea of being like, what have I embraced? Um, and, and it's compassion. So compassion has helped me see, 
like in the and in terms of um in your line of work like the word toxic like makes a lot of sense right like there's something that we can ingest that is or or be exposed to that really has such negative effects on us um but i think like in terms of like the emotional energetic way of looking at toxicity i've learned that it's just simply pain and so i think the thing that's really helped me to learn to interact with negativity is developing compassion this open gaze that we can take towards our individual pain towards other people's pain and to see it for what it really is uh almost from a more neutral perspective and then apply this kindness towards it where it's like i accept that you're there i understand it and through that presence that we can bring to life to pain uh things are transformed and so I've released a lot of negativity in my life by embracing it uh, with a lot of acceptance and compassion. I love that. That's a beautiful answer. I mean, this episode has, this conversation has just had so many amazing nuggets. I'm so happy that you were able to take the time. And I would love for you to just kind of wrap up by how can people connect with you, you know, your handles, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And thank you so much. This has just been so lovely to chat with you today. Uh, yeah. So you can find me at juliatruland.com, Truland, T-R-U-L-A-N-D. And that's my handle on Instagram as well. Um, I do offer 30 minute free energy coaching sessions. Uh, if someone feels called to work with me, we get to kind of tap into your energy field, uncover different things that are ready to come out to the surface that really want to be acknowledged. And we also get to discuss what's going on in life and, and how can, um, how can it be transformed through working with your energy? That was such a great conversation and I'm sure you got so much out of it, but I wanted to share the top takeaways that I took from it. Number one, the way to deal with negativity is not protecting yourself because that results in creating resistance. Rather, it's about accepting what is and having compassion for others. Number two, we mostly live in the energy of wanting and grasping, but the magic happens when we do things for the sake of doing them and we surrender to what that brings without expectation. Number three, even when it feels like we don't, we always have a choice. And number four, as a follow-up to that, developing compassion and loving kindness is what helps us create the separation between stimuli and response, and in that space is where our choice lies. Number five, meditation and mindfulness are the key to everything, including longevity, inner peace, and happiness. Number six, when it comes to meditation, even when you don't think you're doing it, which I'm sure we've all been in that position, if you are making an attempt to focus on your breath and observe your thoughts, you're doing it. It's always going to be challenging and it's always a practice. And finally, number seven, the answers are within us, not outside of us. And our focus is often on solving outside problems when the solution is really turning inward. So again, I hope you guys got so much out of this. I thank Julia so much for being here. And I thank you for being here and listening to the show. I have so much fun having these conversations. And if there's anyone specific you would like for me to talk to or a topic that you'd like for me to cover, please shoot me a DM on Instagram 
at the.detox.diaries. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love for you to leave a rating and review. It really helps other people to find the show and of course, share it with anyone who you think may be interested. And again, thank you so much for being here and I will see you on the next one. Bye.